the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Today, California. Why? Well, I grew up there, went to college there, and it is an example of an entire state. If we have 50 laboratories in the United States of America, California is one of them. And things don't seem to be working. If they've been putting together experiments, particularly social experiments, they've gone very, very badly. Homelessness, crime, uh, theft, all of it is looking really bad for California. I would not want to go back. But our next guest lives there, loves it, and has hope in spite of all of its problems. Stay tuned. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Siamak Kurami hosts a show called California Insider. It airs on YouTube. You can find it a lot of different places, including the Epic Times, which is a a really interesting media company. And he is based in Southern California with the Epic Times. They are really a, a truth-based media company. They try to just present facts and let their viewers take in those facts and decide for themselves. Well, this particular man, Siamak Kurami, has lived in China, uh, Iran, and Mexico. And now he lives in California, went to college there, and is an observer of the state and does this podcast, California Insider, where he interviews all kinds of people who have been involved in the infrastructure of California. What is going wrong out there? It is a, a fascinating state to watch, but it's also very depressing if you're like me, if you've really loved California. I would not go back. He still loves it. He holds out hope. And we're going to find out why and how much Gavin Newsom has to do with all the issues there. Uh, we may get answers. We may be left scratching our head. You'll be able to decide after this. But don't miss, folks. This is this is a must-see. The most inspirational movie of the summer, Briarcliff Entertainment's The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid. It's in theaters Friday, August 25th, the true live story a professional baseball player, Ricky Hill. Growing up in a poor, small-town Texas, young Ricky discovers his extraordinary ability for hitting a baseball, hitting the baseball. But with leg braces and a degenerative spinal disease, the major leagues were just a dream that could never be. Courageously, he risks it all. Defying his father's wish to follow in his footsteps to become a pastor, Ricky tries out for a major league scout. Pushing hard to overcome his disability, he goes on to become a baseball phenomenon. Some dreams are unbreakable. The Hill, starring Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn. The true inspirational story about family, faith, and a baseball miracle. Don't miss The Hill. It's rated PG. In theaters, Friday, August 25th. Get your tickets now. It's so cool that you can pre-order tickets to the movies these days. Um, can you still do that in California? I think you can. After all, Hollywood is there. Let's talk to Siamak Kurami about the state of the state in California. Siamak Kurami, thank you so much for joining us. It's interesting your background 
because here you are doing a series on California and why people are leaving. Uh, you're not originally from California, correct? Yeah, that's true. Thank you for having me, Michelle. And yeah. the last thing I could picture myself doing is is doing series on California. You know, especially talking about problems of California, issues California is facing. Because uh, I come from different countries. I, come, I lived in Iran. I grew up in Iran. And I lived in Mexico City. And I also lived in China. And all of these countries have a lot of problems. Hmm. You know, when I was living in Mexico City, as an example, um, it wasn't safe. And we would be scared of going places. And when I came here, it was like, I felt like you can do anything. It's like yeah. paradise. But recently, I was in Mexico City a few days ago. And uh, I had some back, I had a backpack with me, with my computer. And people said, I said, can we leave this in the car? And people said, yeah. So we left it in the car. And I thought to myself, you can't do that in San Francisco. No. But you can't do that in Mexico City. That's so alarming. That, <laughs> that's, that's alarming. That's how things have changed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, CMAC and I have um, a little bit in common here in the California theme. I was born and raised in Southern California, and I went to school in Northern California. And then I worked a little while in Southern California before I left. And I have no intention of coming back. And it, a lot of reasons are behind that. But you are really diving into it, and you've got such a fascinating perspective from which to do this. To have lived in the places you've lived and now living in, in Southern California, really documenting what is going on there. Um, when did you notice a first real turn in the, this, or was it more of a gradual thing in California where it became the, went from paradise to watch your back? Yeah, well, I came here 21, uh, 20, 22 years ago. Time is flying by. And 22 years ago, and um, when I came, it was like paradise. Maybe it was better before I came. I, that's what I can, I can see. That's what I could see. And in the last, I would say in the last 10 years or even the last five years, um, things have become really bad. You know, when I go to certain areas of California, it's just, it's not recognizable that this is happening. Even nice areas, like, so for example, you look at some place like Balboa Park in San Diego, very beautiful park. It's well maintained, but when you go to the bathrooms, the things you see, people doing drugs like out in the open, you wouldn't see these kind of things in the past. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of changes, especially in the last five years, I can say things have changed a lot. So if you can... I wouldn't say you're pinpointing it to the last five years, but you're certainly, you know, estimating. What was it? We're kind of aligning with COVID here a little bit. That was three years ago. But are there things that happened in California that led to this moment? Or has this just been gradual? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 
800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now suddenly we're kind of on the downhill slide after a gradual build. You know, there is a lot of, uh, as we've been doing the show, I've been learning more about what's been happening in the state. You know, and when you're an immigrant, somebody like me, I, I went from Iran to Mexico, and then from Mexico to, came to San Diego, to U.S., to California. I started questioning, why is it that Mexico is the way it is? While they have so much wealth, they have a really good land, they are the fifth exporter in the world, and then you cross the border to California, it's like paradise. Something is different. They have the similar resources, both, both places. Uh, is it the government? Is it the laws? Is it the people? Is it the culture? And um, you kind of start questioning why things happen the, the way it happens to a society. So when you look at the last five, 10 years, I think there's a combination of the laws that have been passing there's a lot of state laws that have been passing. Like, for example, we had a proposition that we voted for, Prop 47, you know, that decriminalizes theft. And if you steal under $950 um, and you do it multiple times, you can do it 100 times and it will not be a felony. It will be a misdemeanor. So you can easily steal. And, and there's a combination of laws like that with um, people not paying enough attention and people are becoming too complacent. You know, um, people are Democrat, they want to vote for Democrats. They don't even pay attention to, is, is this Democrat better than another Democrat? Right. Or is it, you know, so people have just become so complacent and the laws that are passing that are very extreme. And, um, and same thing with homelessness, you know, the policies around homelessness, uh, it doesn't make common sense. And in the last three years that I've been covering California, um, what's fascinating to me is that I wasn't a policy expert. I just, I'm just an entrepreneur that I've lived in multiple countries and I joined Epoch Times because it's a media that tells the truth and it's an international media. And um, I've been analyzing the state policies and they don't make common sense. And you wonder, <laughs> how is this happening? You know, I think that's a that's a big overarching question for so many people in a lot of different locales. We see this going on in Illinois and Chicago is being very impacted. New York, uh, certainly Washington, D.C. And here's what I find interesting, and I'll, I'll share this with you. I was just in Boston for four days. Now, Boston is a Democrat-led city, but it is clean. It felt safe. And we were all over that city. We weren't just in, you know, we didn't just hang out on Newberry Street. We went everywhere. We went to Fenway. We went, we went everywhere to the harbor. And I didn't see anything that resembles what I see in San Francisco, or excuse me, in New York, when I go to New York just about every month. And New York is just continually getting worse. So you, you do have to question the policies. But more than that, you've interviewed hundreds of people in California about their experiences, about what's um, leading them to make certain decisions. Is the exodus from California as real as it appears to those of us who aren't there? Are there that many people leaving? Yes, I'm, I'm pretty, it's pretty clear that the exodus is real. And, and if you own a business in California, um, 
you you better be scared of the next law that's going to pass that could totally put you out of business. You know, it's not the, the California legislature is not predictable at all. And they are not doing things based on common sense. They're doing things based on emotion. So they may get emotional about certain business and they completely shut you down. So a lot of people, when they calculate uh, what's happening, if you, if you are um, uh, living in San Francisco and uh, if you are afraid of the public schools, or even the cost of living, you know, going up. So a lot of, there's a lot of factors that drives people out of the state. And the worst part that I can see is the unpredictability of, uh, of the laws you know, of what the state is going to do next. And one of the interviews that I did with a lawmaker, actually, she, in one of those, she told me about how there used to be a moderate Democrat caucus in, in, in California about a decade ago. And these moderate Democrats were pro-business. So they would, they would not, they would make sure that, um, they would make sure that extreme laws won't pass. So they work with Republicans. They were moderate. They were pro-business. That caucus fell apart. And in the last decade, the more extreme voices have been leading the state. And they're coming from the place of emotion. So they, they, they get emotional. They want to help somebody. They see something. And then they pass a law. And it's at the expense of everybody else because they haven't really analyzed the data. They haven't really looked into it. They haven't really thought about the the outcome, the future, unintended consequences. Unintended so. consequences. It is that that term can be applied so many places. Okay, quick break for this. That dark spot on your face, is it still bothering you? And the liver spots on your hands and those on your neck and chest, they still nagging at you? Now you can watch them disappear safely and quickly in three minutes. Introducing the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector three step, three minute dark spot luxury system. And it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Crystals, world famous microdermabrasion before the dark spot corrector, and finishing with a touch of the collagen building Genucel XV, you'll see the dark, dark spots disappear before your very eyes, instantly, smoothly, and luxuriously. What you're watching on the screen are real results in just a couple minutes. I mean, look at that. It's incredible. But don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with the results yourself, you get 100% of your money back. No questions asked. Free shipping, free returns. Go to genucel.com slash Michelle now. Order the new dark spot treatment system today and say goodbye to those pesky spots tomorrow. That's genucel.com slash Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. But there's more. All three products are included in Genucel's most popular package for August. So you get your Genucel bags and puffiness serum also included all for 70% off. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of Genucel. Order now and watch those dark spots disappear in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. Genucel.com slash Michelle. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. And it's Michelle with one L. Geniusell.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-B. Unintended consequences. It is that that term can be applied so many places. I, I reference it as first level thinking and not going beyond that to the second and third level thinking. You know, yes, okay, climate, 
we want clean air, we want clean water. And so the first level thinking is go after everything in the world, or especially here in America, that is contributing, that we believe is contributing and cancel, get rid of it, get rid of it. No matter what it does to anybody else or anything else, get rid of it. They don't think about the consequences or about, you know, when you throw that rock in the pond and how the different ripples are going to affect different entities. Um, so it's, it, it, and you're right, it does seem very anti-business, um, but that unpre unpredictability is interesting to me. How much of that starts at the top with Gavin Newsom, or is this just really a statewide, you know, community to community thing? There is another factor when it comes to lawmaking is that what I've been hearing that the experts are not involved. You know, for example, the Public Safety Committee is making, you know, killing or making laws, uh, approving things without talking to the police force. You know, or, or the energy, the utility commission has a plan, but they don't really talk to the experts. You know, they, 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 there is this, these factors where activists are involved and they're actually coming up with ideas and they're cutting out the experts. So, um, when going back, going to your question, and I think there is a couple of factions in, in California. Uh, one of them is this activist group that are really, really excited about helping the society and they're coming from the place of emotion. They want to make things just, um, they have a lot of ideas and a lot of passion and they may have some really extreme ideas. And then there's a faction of people that are more calculated. They want to go to the next political place. They want to make money. They have interest in the power. And these two factions are working together. And I think there is, Others that are more quiet, that they don't have much power, they're watching. They might be voting with these groups, but they're watching. And um, these two factions are causing what's happening in the state. So, for example, the climate initiative. Some people are very excited about um, solving the climate issues, <laughs> you know, which if you look at China, what they're doing, they're not analyzing that. They just want to fix the climate issue in California. So they, they want us to go solar and wind. Um, and then there's now, uh, there's, a, there's a new law that you have to have solar in your house. If you build a new house, it's mandated to, to have solar. When there's a mandate like that, like that, an industry will make money. So there's money to be made in the process. But then the activists will be happy too, because this is good for the climate. And the, the fascinating part of all this is that California wants to lower the cost of housing, but at the same time, we're mandating another $40,000 on any new built home, any new built home in California as a result of these two factions working together in the favor of one industry. Well, I, but I'm, not a, and I'm also not against the solar industry. I just, I'm just explaining this is an, ex, is an obvious example right. to, to show. Well, we certainly can question the solar industry when so many of the panels are made uh, or the elements come from China and likely uh, produced by, you know, slave labor. Uh, I'm just going to put it in those terms. And then, you know, when the solar panel is no longer usable, where does it go? Does it go into a landfill? Can it be restructured? I mean, I, you know, it, it's a great concept. It doesn't always work. And where does it come from? And then what happens with the disposal of it? People don't seem to be thinking, uh, 
beyond all of that. Um, but that is a really now yesterday or re, I'll just say this week, uh, Joe Biden admitted, hey, look, we're paying you. We're giving you subsidies to make to put solar in your home or do this and that with your air conditioning or the other. Does California subsidize a, a lot of this stuff that it's mandating? Uh, it's subsidizing some. But the, the, so if you get a solar, you get some tax credits. But then at the same time, um, what's fascinating is now California is realizing that when somebody puts a solar panel on their home, they're actually taking away from the others that don't have solar because they will sell their electricity at the same rate. Um, they're selling the electricity at the same rate at night which, as during the day, and they don't pay for using the grid. So at the end of the day, it will cost the people that don't have solar more to subsidize the ones that have solar. So essentially, now, now they're realizing this. So even you do these subsidies, if you haven't really thought about it long term, and that's, that's what we don't have in this state. I wish we had more of long term thinking with getting the, getting the experts involved and having different ideas and discussing them. But right now, the experts are cut out. And people are just acting with emotion. Yeah, I, I think that that is a great sort of nutshell to put it in. This emotional reaction, a knee-jerk reaction to any problem that arises, fix it now, fix it quick. Don't think about what that might entail. And it's just, it's, it's, it's stunning to me because a lot of it is, as we just mentioned with the solar panels, it's hypocritical. You're saying, you know, all lives matter or people matter or, you know, you don't agree with slavery unless it's in China where they're making these solar panels for you. And it's um, it, it's it's mind boggling to me. I do want to also the, the poor people here are subsidizing right. the solar cost for right. the people that can afford to put solar on their roofs. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, the poor people are paying a subsidy to those that can have solar. We're not making it equitable for people here, too. So much for justice. Uh, the the homeless issue in California is getting national recognition. It's not just in San Francisco. When I went to school up in Berkeley, there was there was a homeless problem. There was, it's not nearly what it is today. What is your best guess at what's behind the explosion of homelessness in, in Los Angeles and San Francisco? Well, from what I can tell, and we have interviewed a lot of people on it, and um, if you think about homelessness, it's, it's, we are told that it's poverty. Um, but, you know, if you think about who are the poorest people in the U.S. right now are the illegal immigrants, right? And um, you don't see a lot of them in the streets. Now, maybe because of the, now the border is open, yeah. there's more people coming in. But traditionally, you don't see illegals on the street. So if it's poverty, then those people have to be the ones that are on the street. But you see a lot of people that are addicted to drugs. They have had a problem, um, you know, emotional, psychological problem, and then they ended up doing drugs. And now they're on the streets. And now we have fentanyl and other meth and, and, um, and a category of them have uh, mental illness. And uh, essentially we have, and with the laws, there has been laws that don't allow cities to take action because they can get sued if they don't provide housing for the homeless. And the, the methodology that we have, uh, we, we have been, we've been dealing with the homelessness as with the housing first mindset. So the idea is we give them a home 
and then we try to solve their problems. But we don't really go deep into figuring out what caused them to, to do drugs and, and f helping them fix that and f fix their drug issue and also go to the root cause and helping them. Um, combined with the fact that we allow like the, the theft, you know, stealing. So, you know, you can, you can be living on the streets, you can go to the grocery store and steal up to $950. You might even steal more if they don't catch you. And then you go sell the stuff, you, you can buy the drugs you need and, and you live on the street. And the sad part of all this is that gangs are running these homeless encampments. So gangs are doing whatever they want and it seems like there is no rule of law for, for these people that are, that are on the street. They have nowhere to go to. They, they, you know, they, they don't have the, the society that we have. Um, so this is, uh, this, is a, this is a big issue. And I don't think it's an issue that we cannot fix. It's just we have become so one-dimensional. You know, it's just housing first. You know, let's just give everybody a house. Yeah. Let's spend billions of dollars to build homes for people that are in a different mental state. So uh, there was a, there was a, I don't know if you know about this, there was a HHH in LA. They raised $1.2 million to build 10,000 homes and they built 1,200 or 1,300 homes. They were going to build them at the studios at $120,000 a piece. It cost them 600000 per studio. And um, they didn't really achieve what they were trying to do. Stunning, isn't it? Um, yeah, in Portland, they give out tents so that people will at least have cover. So I want to focus on Gavin Newsom before I let you go, because this is a guy who clearly wants to run for president one day. And yet it seems to me he's overseeing, he is governing a state that is so mired in problems and many of them of their own making. As you said, it's, 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 it's the way that the government is working with its, with its factions and that the voters have become complacent. There doesn't seem to be leadership that people trust or have faith in what about Gavin Newsom and his role in all of this? He, he strikes me as being one of those people you talked about, who's just looking for that next rung of the ladder. Uh, however, he, however he can get there. From what we've gathered and, and the part of the, the show that I host and the goal for us at Epoch times is not to, um, the goal for us is to give back, give feedback to policymakers and be the voice of the people. It doesn't matter to us whether Gavin Newsom becomes the governor of California or the president of the country. To us, it's just our role is to provide information for people to decide. But from what I've gathered and the history that he has had going from San Francisco to become the governor and then now kind of running for presidency, yeah. it looks like, um, it seems like he wants to go to the next office. And the problem... Um, the problem that I've seen recently in California, and it wasn't like this, and I, as the more I learned about San Francisco, and that San Francisco has become this way, where people have positions because of their relationships, because they, they donated to somebody's campaign, and now their son or daughter is at a position that they're not qualified to be in. And there's a lot of unqualified people in positions, <laughs> and they're equally unqualified, and they don't talk about each other's mistakes. They don't criticize each other. They're all uh, doing, and, and, and certainly in San Francisco, and now I, we can see it in California. 
And this is not the way to run a state. It's better to have people that are qualified, that, that know what they're doing. And hopefully this will change in California. Hopefully he can change that. Because uh, I think he's figured out a way of building a lot of relationships with people. Hopefully he can, he can change the way he's choosing the, the people for positions. Well, I'm not even sure he's qualified to be governor, quite frankly. So um, he's got a lot of relationships as well. Nancy Pelosi comes to mind immediately. So, um, and, you know, and he's got a vineyard, I think, that he has to protect. So I, I'm, I'm color me skeptical on him. I, I would, can't ever imagine voting for him for any other office, let alone president, given the fiasco that is California. And listen, it breaks my heart. Like I said, I was born and raised there. I went to college there. My mom still lives in the house I grew up in. My sister and her family live there. My brother lives there and has a small business there. I wish it were better, but I would never go back. Um, I can't. I can't see it improving enough. How do you like living there? Well, I, this is a state I love. Like it's like the weather, the way it is, and hopefully things will change. I think it will come back. Um, I also have a couple of more points about the politicians right now. One of the things I learned in the U.S. in this culture, America, one of the things is the culture of the country that makes it a great country, um, is that if the same people that are in charge that may have made a lot of mistakes, they can learn from their mistakes, they will become better leaders. Okay, fair enough. And, and so, so that's something that's, that's exciting, like that, that hopefully these people will learn and, and they, can, they can change. And, and the other thing is California has a lot of potential. You know, the reason things are the way they are is because people have not paid attention. All these business leaders that make things happen really fast, do things in their companies and work very hard, um, they, they, they are not represented in California uh, policymaking and leadership right now. And um, at some point soon, once these people will get fed up, and, and understand what's happening because they all, we all trust the politicians to do what, what's best and, and things will, will change. But, uh, personally, I love California. It's just, it would be very hard for me to leave the state. I um, understand. I do. Well, I, you know, and, and I hope that you're shining a light on the things that people need to see in order to bring about that change. It's been great to talk to you. Um, where can people find your show? They can look for California Insider. It's on YouTube. It's on Epoch TV and our website, insiderca.com. They can watch it anywhere. Uh, yeah. I encourage people to take a look. And you've interviewed countless people uh, who really help, you know, fill in the blanks and and kind of answer the questions as to why things are happening the way they are in California. And and listen, I, I hope it improves too. I I was once a very proud Californian. And, and sadly, I just, I, um, I don't feel quite that way anymore, but I, I admire what you're doing and I think it's so important. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Again, you can California insider, just look for it. You'll find it and take a look at a couple of the episodes and you can see that each episode is unique and covers a different aspect of, of the problems there. Uh, it's really, it's important stuff. And it's, it doesn't just apply to California. You can you can listen to this stuff and say, gosh, that's happening where I live, too. So check it out. Uh, as always, be brave. Do good. Thanks for listening. 
and we'll see you on the next podcast. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.